Baker Mayfield, undraftable, off my board. The Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield. Welcome into the OBR Film Breakdown. I'm your host, Jake Burns. We are going to have a couple different topics of conversation today that I think are pretty pertinent. You know, anytime you get a huge signing like Nick Chubb, I think it's important to kind of flesh out all angles of it. If you listened to yesterday, we had an emergency podcast, well as an emergency Twitch stream uh, that I wanted to cover my thoughts on it. We had, you know, Stephen Thomas. Andy Lytle, Fred Greetham joined us. If you have not listened to that, go listen to it. A lot of different perspectives. I think it was really good. We're going to do more of that on Twitch. If you're not following Twitch, please make sure you're following the OBR Twitch. Some fun things. Subscriptions get given away. It's going to get really unique and fun. So again, make sure if you're not following that Twitch, go rectify that issue. Make sure you take care of it because that's where all of our live content will be this year. So for today, we don't have a training camp to talk about. The Browns had their first off day, but we are going to talk about the content that they gave us, which was Building the Browns, Episode 5. This is Episode 5 of the 2021 version, just so we're clear. They've done more than five episodes of this thing. But yes, they released it, and it goes over minicamp and uh, kind of everybody's return to work. touches on the softball game that the celebrity softball game Jarvis had, and uh, the focus is on on minicamp when they got everybody back to Berea for the first time. If you're not used to the word work, that is Kevin Stefanski's go-to word. He uses it all the time. It's his mantra. I like it. I think it sends the correct message to the entire franchise uh, that this isn't an earn your stripes or the hard land. This is just a place built on work. All success achieved by the Cleveland Browns, it's built on foundation. How it goes is you work from every level of the organization, and I like that. I think it, it's great, and you you probably heard Kevin Stefanski say it in this episode about 25 times because it's the it's truly their mantra, and I, I like it. It's simple, simple enough, right? You know, that, that you send the message for any success, the work needs to be put in. These guys are older. We don't need some corny cliches, man. These guys are grown men. They know what it takes to get where they need to go. They know we're going to have to work, and if they don't put in the work and they don't have the investment of their energy, both mentally and physically, it's never going to pan out. So unique stuff uh, from Kevin, I thought, about how they operate from a mental processing standpoint. Really like that. The softball stuff, you probably have seen a lot of it from Jarvis's documentary that came out a couple weeks ago. Uh, so, you know, that part of it's it's fine. But I really liked uh, the, the John Johnson stuff, you know. Your opinion on John Johnson could be a little over the board based on his personal choices of late. But on the football field... That guy's a unique leader, and I really liked how they spent time giving some glances to the insights uh, of, of who he is on the field, the things he talks about, the really cool quote about third downs. If you don't find a way to be successful on third downs as a player, you know, you got to treat every single one of them like the Super Bowl. If you don't find a way to do what you're supposed to do on third downs, you're going to be out of the league. you got to treat it like the most important play you've ever played. Third downs are huge. He learned that in L.A. his rookie year. And uh, to carry that over and talk to JOK and Greg Newsom, really cool. Speaking of Greg Newsom, listen, man, popping on 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 tape here from what we glimpses we've been given of uh, of of minicamp. We haven't seen too many glimpses of training camp, but he's he's seems by all accounts great. He looks good in uniform. I think he 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 fits the bill. Twitchy. I liked. I posted a little clip of it today because I really wanted to get it out in case people didn't have the time to watch building the Browns. 
the uh, the bait the baited throw it could have been a one on one the angle wasn't great it could have been a goal line seven on seven could have been a one on one scenario I'm not going to fault Baker for the th- I mean he's just trying to fit it in there in a scenario where you're always trying to test out your boundaries on certain throws there's no need to overreact to the throw Baker makes it gets intercepted I'm I'm most interested in Newsom's ability to stretch out toward the sideline go up and get that football before it gets to DPJ. We again, we don't get the glimpse of the full route. We don't get all of it. It looks like Baker was on the move when he was throwing it. So don't panic about the quarterback play or the wide receiver. Just just take in what the the corner is able to do. There's a heck of a catch on the sideline, two feet in. His his teammates are pumped about it. But I just like some of the Greg Newsom stuff we saw there. I think he's all over the field, and that's what you want your young corner to do. Especially a guy who's nice. It's nice that he doesn't have to carry the burden of being the guy who has to cover number ones on other teams. That's Denzel Ward's job. He gets to kind of grow into his own. I really like the early look of him. You know, it's too early to tell. We haven't even played a preseason game, but you want to see these things, and, and, and it was pretty cool to see. So if you haven't watched the episode, you should go watch it. It's a ton of great insights into how the Browns are operating, some good looks at some throws, some 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 stuff from Jarvis Landry there about his work ethic. Always nice to see inside details on route running and what he's doing and, uh, you know, him and, him and Odell talking about a tight window throw and, if the ball was accurate, if it wasn't accurate, should I have done more? Should I have done less? That stuff's fun, man. There's just little insights from the players, and I just love the John Johnson stuff and and uh, the the funny stuff going on there with with the uh, you used to call them tag drills, uh, D line running the running the arc. You know, they put those giant almost hula hoop looking things out there, and you got to kind of run the arc and show your ability to stay low and bend as you work your way around. And a good game there is kind of a attack and you can you be out in front stay out in front from a guy chasing you trying to do the same arc and that competition stuff is great and that's i liked about the d line you know kevin stefanski said you can't you can always hear them they're always high energy pushing each other they're going to need unexpected players to step up some expected malik jackson uh andrew billings but they're going to need some others to really step up and secure a their role and b be productive players rotating in because I think this year you'll see a lot more rotation stuff. Looking forward to seeing more from Greedy. Didn't see a ton. John Johnson had a quote about Greedy and Delp, but I liked about them working, doing what they're supposed to do. I can't wait to see more from them. I'm going up to training camp Tuesday. Uh, that's the first padded practice. Can't go tomorrow, but can go up Tuesday, try to get you some insights. If they're close, they weren't even remotely close. They're on the far field. Hopefully they will be closer Tuesday. And then I won't be up again until the orange and brown scrimmage on uh, Sunday, so we can check that out and try to get you some insights there. As if you were there, I know they do a nice job. The Browns giving us some looks at things, but I think sometimes being there can give you a feel for some things too. Try to make it up there a second time, and then again Sunday. Uh, so we're going to switch over. I think a good conversation here with John Colasima, who was one of the guys I immediately chatted with after the Browns uh, pulled the trigger on the Nick Chubb extension. Some good conversation points, and again, a day removed from it. Nice to talk about the. The peripherals. I'm going to have some writing up on this tomorrow about what it means for the Browns on the OBR. So check out that piece I'm, I'm going to post tomorrow early morning some point. I'll have it up there ready to go for you to read if you want to check that out. Uh, from all angles, we're going to cover this thing, uh, the Nick Chubb signing from all angles, and anybody else they sign, we're going to cover it from all angles. So we're going to try to do this podcast, the Twitch. Uh, we're going to try to do it in writing too. And, and, you know, we cover film rooms and all that fun stuff too. Let's Get over to our interview with John Colosimo right now and talk about some Nick Chubb money-making decisions. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, John, we've talked ad nauseum this offseason. You've come on essentially once a week. Life steps in every now and again, but essentially once a week. And I swear between you and I, man, a contract extension has come up somewhere in that conversation. We finally got one. Uh, it was Nick Chubb. Not a, not a surprise by any stretch, but I'm curious. You, see, you look at your phone, you see it. What were your initial thoughts to, to that extension? So my, my initial thoughts were that uh, it was pretty close to what I thought would happen if they were able to agree. You know, I thought that the Browns were not going to go above a certain threshold. I thought that Nick was motivated to both get paid, but also – I think he was very comfortable with Cleveland and enjoys uh, this staff and the facilities. He didn't seem very interested in testing uncharted waters in that regard. So if they were going to find the right price, I, I really did think it was going to be somewhere around 12 and uh, you know, somewhat mixed feelings because I'm a numbers guy, but ultimately like Nick's so goddamn fun to watch. Um, he's the right kind of dude. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there won't be a, a, a part of me that's going to be regretting watching him on Sundays for the next couple of years. Yeah. I, I feel the same, especially considering I don't think Nick's a big injury guy. I mean, last year, you got to remember there was a freaky weird play. Wyatt Teller rolled into him. If I recall, rolled up on him. So like, I don't, I don't think, I mean, anything can happen, John, like Nick could get hurt in training camp. God, God forbid. And you know, anything could happen, but it's it's not a concern for me from an injury standpoint, and I still think the Browns did a nice job of finding a balance between the dangers of of what we see with this stuff, which is you pay for future money for past production. Like I don't think that's a thing with Nick, and I I'm pretty sure he'll pride himself. We'll, we'll get a press conference, I'm sure, when they officially sign this contract, and I, I'm I'm sure he'll talk about being the same guy. I'm the same guy. I'm the same person. I'm going to keep working. And it's really believable with him. Not that it hasn't been believable with other players, but we've seen the fall off. And the thing that's nice to me when I look at this, John, is the number of carries. And, you know, with Nick, his rookie year was a mistake number of carries. We all know that they, that <laughs> there, was a, there was a split faction of people that were trying to force a money ball style to get Carlos Hyde out of Cleveland so that they could finally give Nick the football. But then Kareem comes in here and, and Nick still, I think Nick still had the second most rush attempts in the NFL year too, 2019. I think he was right there with Derrick Henry. If I recall, obviously a little less burden last year by virtue of missing four weeks with an injury. But I think some of that could play into it too. The thing that particularly caught my interest, John, and what we talked about is was one of my tweets was, you know, I don't think Nick had the data to go to Cleveland and be like, pay me Kamara. Christian McCaffrey type money. I think he's every bit as good, John. I don't, I don't think we can need to squabble over that, but 
when Nick sits down at the bargaining table, he doesn't have the high volume receiving yards. He has a great season 2019 where he can point to the offensive line. Wasn't very talented and, and make his argument there. But I just feel like Derrick Henry has had more sustained high end rushing success. Uh, I guess, I guess sustainability. And then it's like, okay, who else is out in front of him? Ezekiel Elliott's an outlier. He was at a high number of carries when he got his deal. That was a past success uh, payment. And Todd Gurley, another one where it's like, okay, hey, man, did you guys know that guy's knee was falling apart right in front of your face? Like, what's (laughs) up with that? So I guess, do you think Nick sat down? And again, this harkens back to your point just a minute ago, John. I'm getting a little long-winded here, but... He, he said, hey, man, I let my agent handle it. Get me involved when there's something to talk about, but I'm going to let you handle it. I'm not even going to give you – it sounds like the way Nick was talking, and he's pretty candid uh, about this and dry. He's just like, hey, man, just get me involved. I'm sure he's just like, find what the league value is and give me a number if they throw me a number, and I'll tell you yes or no. Like, That's a little of what it seemed like to me, but do you think he could sit down and say, I should be paid like a top – or do you think the number that they found was – kind of fair because I think the point you had said to me it'd be a text was if Nick hit the open market so say his year four expired he played this year had a pretty good year similar year split carries whatever do you think he goes on to the market and makes a ton more money than what he just made from Cleveland I guess is the big question could he could Nick have made a bigger paycheck at the end of this year from another club or even Cleveland but another club uh, and and been patient or or do you think he doesn't have enough i guess my point was he doesn't have enough data yet to go to the table and do that but you kind of think he does so tell me why all right so you know what i would say is and um i think you know i mix a little bit between market value and uh whether he's a better running back the um i do think that he could have if he hits the open market i think that this is a guy who uh for a team that was looking to load him with 350 carries or whatever and like envisioned him as you know they're gonna just like do the whole baseball thing where you know where you know 30 games into the season you're projecting stats to the end of the year or something like that mm-hmm. i could see him getting you know 14 million i think that's that's 15 million i think it would not be crazy as long as uh, you're not talking crazy years like zeke elliott got six years that's insane i don't think he would get that but in an uh, average you know, annual value. Yeah. I think he he hits the open market. I think he's a $15 million player. Um, You know, in terms of, you know, they haven't really seen that though, John, right? Like a, like a true running backs, a free agent bidding war in their prime. We haven't really seen that. Or am I missing somebody? It seems like every team, every guy, the point I came back to was that every team seems to resign their guy uh, when they hit this level. Not many do, but when they hit this level, we just don't, we don't get that. It's kind of interesting. Yeah, actually, and that is really interesting because in the in the realm of where you're talking about running backs don't matter, why does why do none of them hit the market is a, a strange thing. And it's not that uh, I'm saying that um, you should pay running backs uh, a ton of money or anything, but it is a interesting thing that they seemingly always get paid. And you know, just in terms of you know, I mean, you brought up like the receiving stuff and. I think I started to like get in a different realm, you know, where maybe I answered you via text, you know, um, gave you an answer to a different question. But, you know, what I was really saying is that, yeah, Nick doesn't have the uh, receiving ability as some of these other guys, but 
um, in terms of value, what, what a team really needs is for uh, a running back to be as efficient as possible with the carries that you give him. And the more that you feed your offense through these guys, you know, like a CMC and, you know, yeah, he's got a great uh, receiving ability, Kamara, great, great receiving ability, but we've talked about this, it, it, you know, it's just the more that you feed these guys, it gets to a point where there is, very much diminishing returns. And if you're running so much of your offense through that running back, you're throwing him a ton of passes, you're giving him a ton of carries, you're getting less than what you would be out of the, out of the passing game, you know, as good as you can be like, you know, outside of the well-timed, you know, unexpected screen and things like that, you know, a defensive coordinator is pumping his fist every time you're passing to the running back. So, you know, I just don't value, like, I know it's great for fantasy teams, but like in terms of what a NFL team really needs, Nick is the most efficient back. You give him the ball, he gets more than anybody else, period, the end. And I think he does it uh, at a rate that you would want. And if you wanted to exceed that, I think you're starting to get negative on your offense. And I think that's what I meant, but I'm not sure that that was the, the right answer to your actual question in terms of value. So that's that's really what I meant. Yeah, I, do, I don't think... I don't think your standpoint was wrong. I'm, I'm trying to kind of go back uh, and look at what we had said because I thought I thought you were right about um, that that part of it. It's, it's more of a function of market. Advanced metrics show he's better beyond the, the sorry <clears throat> beyond the numbers. It's a longer conversation you wanted to have with this whole thing, but like the added production from the passing game can be seen as a net negative, which is which is what you're saying. You know, I think people get caught up on that too of like throwing the football to the running back and. And you're right. If you're throwing the football to the running back who's starting deeper than anybody else offensively, it's going to be an added added challenge that that is just going to push your, what is it, air yards down. It's going to push, um, you know, all of those metrics, uh, distance, uh, your A dot down, distance of target, which doesn't yield to a ton of great results. So I, I've, I've heard people talk about the, you know, if you have running backs like Nick and Kareem, it makes you want to give them the ball more. And if you give them the ball more, as great as they are, the the expected points added is still lower than throwing it. And I get that. I right. totally get that. But there are ramifications of how well people can say what they want to say about, you know, the, the running back behind center doesn't matter to play action. I, for the most part, I'm fine with it. I, I think the data proves it too. But you know, when you're continually having to fear these running backs, I do think it has a wear down effect over time. And I think it can, it can matter a little more than, than people want to give it credit. I think like, I guess what I'm getting at is people have devalued that so much that any running back or any system play action can be effective that they're, they're now underestimating the great ones, right? The great ones. Like I'm not going to bite on play action for Dearness Johnson as hard as I am for, for, for Nick Chubb, I'm just not. And that every little bit matters. And I think it really matters. And I think you're paying for some of that, but you're also paying for a running back who is fit for a system as well as any running back in the NFL, which I'm fine with that. Um, And, and I, and I just, the number was right. And I don't think, I don't think the Browns conned Nick, like, like Joe Banner was like, I don't understand why the player would take this. Well, there's a level to getting your 20 million guaranteed that is just great for you right away. You know, like like Nick getting 20 million is a locked in number for him is great. He feels security. 
He's also not playing for the Cincinnati Bengals or not. I think the Bengals are going to be better. The Jaguars, like he's, he's committing to a place where he knows the Browns are set to be pretty good here for a while. He likes it here. And you know, he said that, like you said, John, in his press conference, he said that um, uh, when he was talking about this before. And then I, and you're not saying he took a discount, right? Like you don't think he, I think there's a little bit of that maybe John, where he says, okay, uh, I think I, I'm trying to remember how many total total carries he has at this point. Uh, I think our six hundred, like six fifty or something like that. Or yeah, six ninety. It was under seven hundred yeah. for sure. For sure, and you're kind of looking at the data, and I'm sure his agents doing the same thing. These are smart guys. They're looking. He's six eighty, is what what uh, uh, Cleve Ta mentioned this morning. I hadn't looked at it myself. I just remember seeing his tweet, and the twelve fifty total carry numbers where the cliff starts to come for most guys. And it's like, he'll be roughly around that number, right? He'll be roughly around that number. And then uh, he'll still be 29. So he could get another, maybe he could get another deal. Or if he gets out after two years, he'll still be 28. There's another contract for Nick in the NFL. I don't know what that contract is. I don't know if it's in Cleveland or if it's not, probably not. But uh, I just, there's just an element to me with this deal that I like, which is the front office which is very analytically driven. It's just the perfect level of like irony that they signed D- Paul DePodesta to a five-year extension and on the same day <laughs> announced they're giving a running back a second contract. And, not, and the good thing is they didn't break the bank to do it, which is great, right? But the, the thing that I like is they're understanding team building and people building. The, 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 the way they love Nick around Cleveland, not just the fans, but the players, like you saw the players, John, like, the way they love him, it is. It would have been pretty detrimental to have this fantastic running back and you just let him go. I just don't think it would have sent the right message. Do you agree with that? Yeah, even to let him play this year for a couple of million dollars would have been, I think, you know, it's a, it's such a tough thing. Like when you you know you can say what you want about the numbers and you know that kind of thing, but uh, I do think that it would have been pretty shady as an organization to let him play this year for three million bucks you know so yeah you know and then let him walk you know but even just like they would have had to all watch him you know vastly outproduce a three million dollar contract and i don't think anybody likes watching you know players do that to a certain extent you know no they 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 don't and i think he was is you're setting the tone for extensions. I'm sure you, there's both sides here. You know, Nick gave a little, I think the Browns bent a little here too, by being willing to uh, show that they're not predictable. They're not going to be a team that won't move up for the right second day linebacker or a team that won't pay a really good running back. They're going to find a happy medium here. They're going to make pretty sound analytical decisions. They're going to draft young players. They're going to try to identify them and pay them early as we've seen. But they're still going to do traditional football things that they help. They think help drives locker room chemistry. You know, if you're really good, we're going to pay you. Nobody wants to get drafted somewhere and know that they're really good and not going to get paid. That's not. That's sure. you know, you want your guys to know that if I if I bust my ass, I'm going to get paid. Like they're going to take care of me. And I think that that's the message with Miles. With and, and I'm sure it's going to creep hopefully into Denzel at some point. These guys who are their really good guys are going to get paid. So. Uh, I'm a, I'm pretty I'm pretty happy with where it landed. Uh, I think you could go back and and there were I, I knew there were going to be accounts this morning and I'm not picking on anyone. Uh, there are accounts that are just like the Browns overpaid and it's like I just don't 
they paid a run. I can't believe the Browns paid a running back. And it's like, to me, John, I'll ask you this question. Do you think they would have, even if Nick got, got difficult in a sense, not overly difficult, but kind of difficult. I just feel like they were always going to find a way to get it done. I'm happy they found a way to get it done at the level they did, but I just felt like they were always going to get it done. And to think that they were just going to, to draft this great running back who turns out to be even better than you expected and just let him walk was like a fantasy land to me. I just never thought, I just, uh, I just didn't think the Browns were going to be the first team to do that because they would, they'd be the first team to do that. Everyone else has paid their running back some. And it's like, It'd be a fan. It, I think people that thought that was going to happen were living in that fantasy data land who think the Browns are going to do all these decisions based on EPA and, and, and like all of these. Uh, there's great numbers out there. I've had great people on this podcast to talk about those numbers, but I just didn't see it happen. Do you think that no matter what, even if he would have gotten 13, 5, 14 a year, they would have found a way to get it done? I, I just think they would have, but they got a good deal out of it. I don't know. You know, it depends. Um, I'll say this. Like, I, um, I am more like, the, you know, some people who I love, I love these numbers and I love getting into them and I believe in them, but um, where there are some people who are hard and fast on these, you pay these positions, you don't pay these positions. I'm not like that. You know, like the, the roster of an NFL turns over so much and you are in so little control of where that talent pops up. I think uh, that you have to be more flexible than that. You have to be more flexible uh, and willing to spend, you know, whatever it is to, to keep your talent. Uh, now, you know, you can make an argument though, that maybe, you know, should we be paying a, you know, a, uh, if we're going to pay the running back, should we pay, uh, you know, $7 million for a backup quarterback? Should we, <laughs> should we be paying $6 million for a backup running back? You know, like, so there's like things that, uh, and I think they're really, really just trying to maximize the Browns chances this particular year. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see like that, that would be how I am. Like, you know, I'm flexible in terms of I'll pay a guard, I'll pay a running back. Um, but you have to make other choices other yeah. elsewhere on the roster to, to make that make sense. So yeah, you uh, get a you little know, thin there. You're right. You get, yeah. you get a little, you get a little thin. You can't have a case Keenum. You're going to have to have a, uh, uh, whatever Kyle will let it be your backup quarterback. You're going to have to sure. to make concessions. You're not going to have Kareem Hunt. You're going to have you're going to have to draft Demetrius Felton and hope he can do it. You know, like that. That's where it's just it's going to put pressure on their drafting. That's what it's going to do in the future. Absolutely, and I'm okay with that. Like you know, just but be smart with your spending. Like you can you can make a a single decision that isn't the optimal one mm-hmm. if overall you know you're you're making that make sense because these things don't happen in a vacuum. You know, yeah. these things don't happen in a vacuum. So you can't just like stare straight at Nick Chubb's deal and be like, was this a good deal or not? Well, you know, what does it look like in the context of what they're doing with the rest of the roster? That's how I feel more. about it personally. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. It's, it's uh it's a situation where they have a coach who relies on a structure of run game where they're going to continue to run the football, whether you want them to or not, they're going to do it. It's a part of football DNA and uh, they, they want to continue to make that a part of Cleveland's DNA. And, and I think they're going to see, and I still think they're going to see an uptick in early down passing, John. Like, I think they're going to do too. those things, but I, but I also think they want to be able to close teams out running the football and against certain teams every week that have issues defending the run. They want to be able to take advantage of them. So they're in the right place. You know, I never wanted to be a team that had to pay a big running back contract, but being in that situation now, 
he's so good. I would, it would make me sick to see him in another roster. It would just in another uniform. I just don't want to see that. And I think, I think the fit is too good. If they, if, if Kareem say Kareem hypothetically was the top line Browns running back, having seen what I've seen, I wouldn't want to pay Kareem what I paid Nick. I just wouldn't. I like Kareem. I like him, but I wouldn't want to pay him. I've seen the difference. Nick is a yard more per carry on average, and he leads the league in yards created. Okay. Like that's what he does. So I've seen what they want to do. I've seen what they want to be. And he is the best version of a running back for them. So it sucks that they got to pay it, but it also is it's, it doesn't suck that they had to pay it. Cause he's stellar. Like, and they got, they got it. They got a pretty good deal. I would have been okay, John, if they would have paid him 13, 14, I would have, I really would have. And maybe that makes me a, a, a small minded peon. I don't know compared to some of these people who just try to, to make you feel silly if you don't believe in the running back devalue completely. Like I, I just think, I think from like a mental standpoint, a quarterback needs to be able to hand the ball off. Sometimes you cannot put 70, 80 snaps of pressure on the quarterback to make the right decision. Every single time there is a true value to being able to run the football and relieve the burden on your quarterback from making every single decision, the right decision, making every single pre-snap post-snap decision. Perfect. It's hard, man. Ask Pat Mahomes when they run the ball well, he loves it. Aaron Rodgers, when they're running the ball well, they love it, man. It's it because it's fun. Running the ball well on other teams takes their will. It's a fun thing to do. And offensive and, line loves it too. Oh, God, yeah, man. They they truly do. And I think that's a part of it that the data misses. I know that passing can be more effective for, for overall points, but I, I think there's a reason we haven't seen a team Texas Tech the NFL. It's just not it's not as easy as you think it is because at the college level, there's so much more spacing. The quarterback's decision making isn't as dyna- it isn't as demanding as NFL quarterback decision making is every single play. It's it's a it's a true challenge. That's a podcast for another time. More of the story is we're happy with the contract. The Browns did well. Nick gave a little, but he didn't give a lot. And and I think the Browns made concessions to who everyone thought they were going to be. And at the end of the day, that's good, John. And I'm happy that this guy is going to be. Uh, a Cleveland Brown for what'll be what seven seasons, maybe eight. And that's fantastic for a running back of his caliber. Absolutely. We get him for all of his prime, no matter what. Yeah. Which is, which is great. Enjoy him Cleveland really truly enjoy him because you, you might never, you really might never see another one quite like this guy. He's, he's a special, special dude, John. Thanks for joining me, man. Thanks bud. Have a good night. As if I don't already beg you guys for enough things. I'm going to ask if you can, Write a nice review, leave a five-star rating for this podcast. A ton of work goes into it. I hope you're enjoying it. I've done like 29 days last month. I'm trying to keep this thing uh, moving forward every single day. End season will be great. We'll have fresh content all the time. And training camp's been good too. We can we can talk about that day. Uh, always appreciate all of your support, whether it's through those uh, you know subscriptions or whatever, you know the the automatic downloads that come with that. It means a ton to me, and it means a ton to the brand of this podcast. Thank you again. Thanks to John for joining us. I think he brings some really, really good insights. He's a deep thinker, smart guy. Always try to get his opinion on a lot of these important topics that we talk about. We'll continue to have John on. As usual, DM me any suggestions. Try to get those. I've been bad about answering DMs lately. I'm going to try to answer those more often. Any suggestions, guests, topics, whatever. Again, 
Twitch. The link is in the description of this podcast. Join us there. Follow. Give us a subscription if you feel so inclined. If you have an Amazon Prime account, all you got to do is link it to the OBR's Twitch. Half the money that you normally spend on Prime can come to us and support the broadcast journalism that we're doing. You don't lose anything. You keep your subscription to Prime. Nothing changes. Instead of giving half your money to Jeff Bezos, now you give half the money to the OBR, which is pretty cool because you can support Brown's content we're trying to produce for you. So if you have any questions about that, hit me up. Otherwise, everybody have a great Monday. Kick this week's ass. We'll talk tomorrow after uh, more training camp, and we'll have some updates for you, as usual. Until we talk next time, go Browns. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.